Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. We should have a name for our listeners, like Thinkheads or I don't know, you know, like a, yeah, I, like clicks. I think is what the business calls them. Oh, clicks. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's what business. I, I meant something that's a little more endearing. In case. Oh, our, right. our listeners are lawyers. They're too smart for for nicknames. Fair enough. Uh, I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. With me is Ellie Mistal. Pants are back on for the first time in like two months, man. Yeah, no. as opposed to shorts, not just opposed to right. No, um, I can vouch for the fact that most days in the office he's worn at least shorts. Yeah, but it's, we it's we don't speak of July fourteenth. Starting to get nippy. Yeah. So you uh, you have yeah, I'm pissed off about? about something this week that's not about Trump. I mean, I'm always pissed off about Trump, but I sure. have something specific to grind my gears about um, that is not about Trump. Saw a story in Time Magazine, of all places, that still exists, by the way, in case you guys didn't know. Stamford, Connecticut, um, is trying to pass a city regulation, a local rule, um, that would fine people for texting while walking. Honolulu, Hawaii, has already passed such an ordinance that fines people for texting while walking. Now, regular listeners to this podcast know that I am fairly liberal, but I will turn into like a Robert E. Lee Confederate general before I accept these goddamn nanny state laws. There's a way to stop people from texting while walking. It's called Charles Darwin, all right? <laughs> And he handles that for us so that we don't have to have local ordinances for it. Right. Well, I mean, look, it, that that's not. This isn't, this isn't like the seatbelt. This isn't texting while driving, right? Texting while driving, you're going to hurt like other people. You're going to hurt me. Texting while walking, you're just going to hurt. The, the, the mailbox that you walk into is not going to be damaged well, you could by get, your idiocy. You could get run over. And then that increases health care costs because people have to. Like, I, I get it. I just think it's dumb. I don't think that. There's this grand epidemic of people who are getting in accidents because they're texting while walking. But, you know, it's the problem, I, I mean, the problem with so many it. nanny state laws. Right. And, and like I know I'm, I'm kind of I'm going a little bit off the deep end. But the problem with so many of these laws is that it's trying to prescribe behavior that is merely annoying. And you can't, you can't do that. In a free society, you get to be a jackass, right? You get to be an idiot. You get to bother other people um, in a free society. You can't have a law prescribing all kinds of social interactions. Right. But I look, I agree. I'm devil's advocating here in that I don't think that this is just about being annoying. I think the argument is that people are putting themselves in the situation where they could be hurt, which then increases the load on healthcare and, well, and, then what you're and all that sort of thing. Well, yeah. then what you're really talking about is, and this is what we brought up before, you're talking about corporations who want to avoid playing their fucking tort bills, right? Because that's the other thing, right? If you get into an accident because you're texting while walking or whatever, there are two people that should probably pay for that. One, your health insurance, and we know that system is fucked. Two, if you're texting while walking in an unsafe place, those people should pay for it. You had an experience this morning where oh, you yeah. almost Darwined yourself out of existence. Yeah, I, I my train pulled into the station and opened the doors on the other side, the side that went into oblivion. And uh, had you been texting, had I been nose into the phone, I might well have 
blindly walked out that door. I didn't, but, you know. And who would have owed money if you had walked out of that door? Well, would it have been your fault because you were texting? Well, well, no, right. But but in that instance, it was the train folks made a mistake by opening the wrong thing. But if I walked into traffic while texting, that would be my fault. And it's something that is my fault because I'm doing a behavior that's bad. Like, I understand why they want to disincentivize it. I, I just think that it's a regulation in search of a problem. Whatever. Let's not get hung up on texting. Uh, let's talk about our favorite thing that's coming back this week. Football! Yeah, college football's coming back, which is one of Ellie and I's favorite things. Uh, it's actually that's how guess, we met. Yeah, it's true. That is how we met. We'll probably tell that story. Anyway, the uh, football actually came back last week, but nobody really cares about that. So we're going to talk about football. And to keep it in a legal context, uh, it turns out we found the perfect guest to keep it in a legal context. So Ryan Nanny of SB Nation, who writes about college football, actually is a lawyer. So he's the back to the original ground principles of this show, which is that we bring on people who are lawyers, but do other things and think about them like lawyers. So we decided to reach out and he's on the show. So welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you. Um, texting while walking, I will say, does set up for a lot of good bar exam questions, though. I can see this getting into like property, getting into First Amendment. Like it has a lot of good implications here if you want to write a extremely long exam or bar answer. And I, yeah. I and I appreciate that at least. You know, keep the bar examiners on their toes. Add these dumb new laws <laughs> so that they have something new to write ridiculous scenarios about. It is something that you can use to explain to other people what an issue spotter question is. Right? Exactly, yeah. it's perfect. <laughs> I was texting, but I was responding to someone who sent revenge porn to me. (laughs) Then the Metro North opened the doors on the wrong side. (laughs) And that person who sent me the revenge porn was a U.S. senator, but it wasn't my senator. See, you can. Yeah, this is perfect. I was walking to Blackacre. Anyway, so. (laughs) So, yeah. So college football, uh, as Ellie and I said, we're we're just hinting that it goes deep into the DNA of this podcast because. Yeah. So Ellie's a Michigan fan, and when I was, uh, when they were ranked, I believe number three years and years ago, before ATL ever existed, uh, (laughs) they were ranked number three, and they think it was the Chris Hart era. They went out to Oregon to play a game, and um, I showed up to that game wearing a neon yellow jersey to the bars, uh, and I met you there, and uh, you were a Michigan fan, and Oregon had won that game. After the game, I I was as humble and non non you know non over the top to so, you as Michigan fans had been to me all morning. So we 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 met because of a mutual friend. When Joe saw me, and again this is a mutual friend, he's never met me before. And when he saw me and our mutual friend said, Oh, Ellie's the Michigan fan I keep talking about, Joe just raised his <laughs> hands in victory and points at me with like you're drinking like a lemon drop. And he points <laughs> it at me and just like, we kicked your ass. Woo! And it's just like yeah. in a by the way, this isn't like some kind of like college sports bar. This is like <laughs> a sit-down Manhattan restaurant and bar. That's yeah. how Joe and I met. I we kicked your ass. I can't imagine it was a lemon drop. But the point is, <laughs> so that happened. So yeah, so we're interested in college football to our core, and uh, we're excited to have them back. I guess your Michigan team's taking on Ryan's Florida Gators, or the like four Florida Gators who are still eligible. <laughs> oh, we're playing today. We're playing this weekend, Ryan. Yeah, it's. <laughs> 
we can talk about it if y'all want to, but <laughs> I've already I've already sort of accepted this loss. This Florida team, I'm treating like a relative in hospice care, where it's like, yes, <laughs> I still care about them, but like if they could just move on to the next stage, I think that'd be better for everybody. It's getting expensive, so. <laughs> Well, I mean, and they're also an issue spotter because you only have like five eligible players because everybody committed some infractions. Yeah, some some like good, some good complicated, what they're calling credit card fraud. But to me, especially in the state of Florida, that suggests that you're like stealing people's identities and buying things on Amazon. When what they really did was, if I'm getting this right, they took debit cards that they had as part of their scholarship program, purchased electronics from the school bookstore, sold the electronics to other people, and then reported those debit cards as stolen. So it's got a lot of good layers to it, and it just wow. makes everybody look amazing in the end. I mean, you just wouldn't think that. I mean, that's that's more Vanderbilt-level thought process <laughs> Right, there. right, right. It's... Uh, yeah, it's just it's just another reason to be extremely proud of my university. So so proud. <laughs> so how did you, how did you get into your job, man? Like how did you get into writing about I mean, as I think you just kind of eloquently explained, if you're a lawyer that's into sports, there's a lot you can do. Right? Yeah. Um there are a lot of people who need legal help in that industry. How did you fully get out of being a lawyer and into truly just covering the sport? I mean, there's no simple answer to it, and it definitely wasn't planned. It was. It started out as a thing I was doing on the side uh, under a pseudonym just for fun and because I knew a couple people who were at SB Nation at some other outlets, and they were like, hey, it'd be cool if you, when you had time, could write something here or there. And, you know, I was not um, a billable hours outstanding candidate anyway, so it all worked out from that perspective. <laughs> But that just sort of snowballed to a little bit of paid work, a little bit more paid work. And then my last job before making the switch, I was working for the city of New York right when the last mayoral election happened. And so I was surrounded by all these people who had not had to think about a new administration for nine years, I think it was at that mm -hmm. point. And so they all left. And I sort of had a choice of SB Nation was interested in me coming on full time, or I could stick around and see if the new people liked me and wanted to work with me. And I kind of just said, screw it. Plus, I already had the advantage of, I'd already made the big salary decrease going to government service. So taking an right. internet job wasn't actually that painful. So thanks, right, right. city of New York. <laughs> And that's such the big thing, I, I think, for both Joe and I, who have also made that switch. The the big thing is getting over um, all the money you're not going to be making. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I I I'll be totally honest. I've had to stop looking at above the law because bonus season comes around, and uh, yeah, I just become morose and sad yeah. and miserable. I mean, it's a rough season for us too. And last sure. year. Last year in July was actually rougher than bonus season because that was when every firm so raised their salary to yeah. 180. Yeah, and that was because last year. So I have, I'll be at above the law for 10 years next year. But last year was my 10 year anniversary of actually quitting uh, Debevoise and Plimpton, and I put it on the site. I calculated the money that I did not make over these <laughs> 10 years. And of course, that's assuming that I wouldn't have been fired, which you know. But assuming that I made it through the recession, I think I calculated that I left something like $2.2 million um, on the table over these past uh, 10 years. Why did you do that? <laughs> not, not why did you leave? Why did you run the numbers? My God. 
Clicks, baby, clicks. Self-harm. <laughs> Self-harm gets clicks. You're right. <laughs> so now that you've made the full transition, do you ever kind of dabble back in? I mean, certainly when, like, the Florida scandal happens, um, when some of these illegal issues happen to players that are going to affect the product on the field, your legal training, I'm sure, is useful there. Explaining Somewhat. Yeah, someone. I mean, I get a lot of colleagues who will come to me and they'll be like, hey, I want to FOIA somebody in Arkansas. And I'm like, buddy, I I have nothing to offer you here. I want to FOIA. Wait, wait, wait. Back. Yeah, Why yeah. do they want to FOIA someone in Arkansas? Well, well, the, because, you know, the beauty of covering college football is that the majority of these institutions are all state-funded, state-run. So you can try pretty right. hard to – I mean, that's how – that's Arkansas. why we get to know how much Nick Saban makes. Yeah, exactly. And that's how Arkansas fans got a coach fired, uh, what is it, 10 years ago now, when they got his text messages to, I don't know if it was his mistress or something approaching that, but they he did it all on a college-issued cell phone, so they were able to get it all through freedom of information requests. Um, but it's really hit or miss. I mean, if it if it rises to the level of, like, this is a complicated law, like the O'Bannon lawsuit or something like that, that's about the weighty issues of likeness and whether you can or should pay college athletes and whether they can unionize. I largely stay out of all of that because I have, I, I, I make no pretense that I am some sort of legal expert over here and we can find people who can do it better than me. If you want to know like some simple shit, I can usually help with that. That also is kind of reflective of what my legal career was like. So, <laughs> you know, talking about, FOIAs and issue spotters, that's the, uh, you could really do that with the Hugh Freeze situation too. That was finding out about a mistress on a school supplied phone. Yeah. Also and involving what, what the same I, Arkansas coach. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Houston Nutt is everywhere. And what's nice is that what I, what I really tried to teach people within our group over here about the law, because they looked at that lawsuit and they were like, why is Houston Nutt even doing this? There's nothing he stands to gain. Realistically, he's, he probably has no damages he can prove. It's not like they're going to make him the coach at Old Miss again. And it's really useful to tell people like, yeah, sometimes people just sue each other because they hate each other. It's not always about money or legal standing or uh, arguing over some principled matter. Sometimes you just hate the shit out of each other so they find a way to sue each other. It's pretty common actually. <laughs> All right, man. L let me flip it on you, though. Now, so that was a great explanation for for how you try to explain the law to football fans. How do you explain college football to lawyers who maybe really don't get it? You know, I I, I live in New York. I grew up in New York. I decided that college football was cool. And my uh, uh, younger cousin went to Michigan, which is how I kind of ended up um, a Michigan fan. It's not cool to go into a sports bar and be like, let's go Crimson. That's not that doesn't that'll get you beat up. But <laughs> You know, a lot of big law lawyers, a lot of East Coast uh, lawyers, they don't get college sports. They're, you know, pro sports followers. Um, they all went to Williams. And you know, stuff they, like they, they went to these, you know, Northeast Liberal Arts School that didn't have programs. Um, and certainly um, with all the CTE stuff, there's a growing kind of uh, Illuminati sense that football is bad for society. How do you explain the kind of love for college football to your old 
uh, mayoral lawyer friends type people. It's it's tough because it is so cultural, and a lot of the places you're talking about are either places where college football is niche or it doesn't exist whatsoever. I mean, New York City is a Rutgers town, supposedly, so that sort of tells you all you need to know. That's um, what the Big but, Ten keeps telling us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Syracuse, you lost out. Um, <laughs> but I think what I try to pitch anybody who's not into college football about why you should enjoy it is because I think it has the highest chaos factor. Every other sport is organized in such an organized way that if you're watching the Patriots play the Bills and the Bills win and it's week 10 of the regular season, who gives a shit? The Patriots are probably still going to win the AFC. The Bills are still probably going to miss the playoffs. None of it actually matters. Same thing is true in basketball, both at college and the NBA. Same thing is true definitely in baseball and hockey. And But college football has these extremely high stakes and doesn't have a good way to account for like that shit will just go wrong sometimes. That I, I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary of Michigan app state. And that's kind oh of like a perfect did example. Did I walk into that somehow? You did. You did. And I'm sorry, but <laughs> that's the perfect example of like shit that either couldn't happen in another sport or if it did, it wouldn't matter. Matters tremendously in college football. Everybody is always on the razor's edge. And yeah, you can probably get away with one loss or maybe two, but it's real, real risky, and that's sort of why you have to watch is that you are watching – you're basically watching a bunch of teams try to construct this very elaborate Lego sculpture and kick apart their neighbor's Lego sculptures. And you're just rooting for everything to fall apart in the end. If you like chaos and destruction, college football is for you. That season was fantastic. No, it wasn't. There was no, nothing. No, because I remember watching that game, and it was amazing. But then every week, it seemed like whoever was number two every week would lose, just over and over yeah, and over I think again. Yeah, I think it was six out of eight weeks the number yeah. two team lost. And most of the time, they were losing to an unranked team. So it wasn't like, oh, we have these great battles. It was like, you just lost it. Oh, my God. How did you? Why? Why did you do that? I actually vividly remember your old site, uh, Every Day Should Be Saturday. I remember that season. At one point, there was a joke where uh, they put up a picture of – it was like Jim Trestle, but with the bandana from, like, the deer hunter on. Like, right, like right. he was like, <laughs> you're number two, so you're next up with the gun. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, – that's the best encapsulation of it. But there's something like that every year, and it's just wonderful. I, look, I generally agree. It's it's certainly my favorite football. I, I still have a soft spot for baseball for various reasons. Um, none of them good. But but I know you're a I'll, Mets fan, so none of them are good. Because none of them are good. <laughs> uh, no, but I'll take a Saturday over a Sunday um, any day, if you will. But I, I guess I also have children. And while I love football, I played uh, football in high school, I probably won't let my boys play. <laughs> Do you feel that you know right now this is such an NFL issue because well the NFL has the money they're professionals but we're we're even learning about how potentially dangerous this is for students for young people who maybe should be protected where do you come down on this uh, on the concussion CTE um, is this still a safe game for people to be playing probably not um, <laughs> and I feel I feel totally comfortable saying that I definitely you know would not if I had kids of football of athletic age I would not let them play tackle football by any means. I mean, part of it is just that 
go play baseball and actually make some money. That's a, <laughs> that's a big incentive. But yeah, I think you know you have two weird things at work here, which is that all the sides want to blame each other. The colleges want to say, well, we have no idea, you know, how if this starts in high school, if if playing in high school is where you just start to develop this brain damage. And the NFL wants to say, well, you know, you, you just played three years in college. We can't rule out that that was where this developed. So they all are shifting responsibility. And ultimately, I think if football wants to survive, it will have to present something of an honest assessment to potential players of this is the risk and the chase for we can make football safe and we can sort of find the helmet that will prevent this. I think that's all illogical because it's just our brains aren't made to start and stop, start and stop so forcefully over and over and over again. So if they can get to a point where they say, this is the risk that you are accepting. This is the best medical science that we can find, independent, that has no sort of skin in the game, and you either accept it or you don't, then at least you can feel comfortable that you're watching people who have made an informed decision. That's, I think, the thing that's frustrating now is that, especially in the NFL, there are so many players who you feel like do they even know what they're potentially risking? You know, I don't I don't mind if people jump out of a plane because I think they understand what they're putting on the line and the likelihood that something catastrophic will happen. And people like to say, well, it's football, you know, you know that you could suffer some major injury every play, every snap. That's not what we're talking about here. The kind of repetitive low-level brain trauma that causes CTE is not the same thing as Joe Theismann getting blindsided and having his leg snapped in half. It's it's different. And That's I hope, awesome. I, yeah, and, and I hope we get to a point where at least the leagues can be honest about that and say, we still would like to have you play, but here's sort of the flip side of it. Yeah, you know, I was reading an account of how this has really been a thing forever. It was an account where they were talking they dug up some old, old story of in the 40s of somebody talking to the quarterback at Kansas in 1896. I'm sure they were still two and ten, but the <laughs> but the quarterback at Kansas and the, he was talking about how there was this player on their team who had gotten concussions and they like fashioned a canvas thing around his head so that he could keep going because you know he was good. <laughs> uh, fun thing about that story that links this all together. I kept reading the quarterback talking about the kid said uh, that the kid involved had been from one of the local Indian reservations and they had got him on the team. Quote, despite the fact he had no more than a fourth grade education, we just enrolled him in the law school to keep him eligible. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh, perfect. That's great. <laughs> so who do you think is the, the most legally woke coach? I'm going to go hard for my guy. So if you got anything else, bring it up. It's probably, I mean, it's probably Jim Harbaugh. I think the rest yeah! of uh, coaching is a uh, profession where it actually benefits you to not know anything else about the world. Like <laughs> one of, one of my favorite things is when during bowl season, there are all, you know, they have all these press conferences and there's nothing to talk about. So inevitably somebody will ask like, Oh, you know, coach, what's the last movie you've seen? And they'll think about it and they'll think about it. And then they'll say, Oh, raging bull. Or something like that. They like these guys are so locked into what they do that the rest of the world is not even a concern for them. Jim Harbaugh is definitely an exception to that, but 
man, these guys are so happy to just sleep and sleep and sleep some more. Yeah. What they're talking about, for if any listener doesn't know, is Jim Harbaugh's actually gone out of his way to become, I mean, he's the uh, voice of legal aid funding now. He's like the most forefront public spokesperson that we need more funding for indigent clients. Uh, he's taking it, the battle to Trump about how he needs to be aware of legal aid. It's all valuable work that he can do in between perennially finishing third in the Big Ten. Um <laughs> So it's great. Look, on the political spectrum of coaches, right, your basketball coaches are going to skew liberal because their teams are going to be full of minorities. And you kind of can't you can't be Greg Popovich and a Trump voter. Right. You can't you can't do that. Right. Sure. And they're they're in metropolitan areas and they're more scattered in the coast. Yeah, absolutely. Football coaches tend to lean conservative, um, not only because they tend to need to recruit from more rural areas with more space, but also the coaching kind of philosophy of football tracks so nicely with kind of hierarchical military organization um, that I think that your mind kind of gets there. So again, for, for people who aren't don't know, Jim Harbaugh, the coach of Michigan, is actually it's actually pretty interesting because otherwise, I think, and I'm a fan, I think everybody's pretty sure that Jim Harbaugh is fucking crazy. Right, like that he's not a normal human, yeah. uh, but he has taken it upon himself to really speak kind of strongly in his Harbaugh way um, about legal aid, even especially under the threats of the Trump administration really cutting legal aid. Um, Jim Harbaugh has been outspoken on this issue. He volunteered as a clerk for a court, a local court for a day to well, learn more well. about it. <laughs> and we know, but we know what Jim Harbaugh's truest legal love is, right? What? Judge Judy. (laughs) Jim Harbaugh has spoken for years about his adverse. Like, Jim Harbaugh has been in the gallery at a taping of Judge Judy. I'm not, I am making none of this up. Oh, like, his love for that show and that woman is so deep and so pure that it might be the only thing that even approaches football. But yeah, yeah, I think, I think he would actually, the other thing about Jim Harbaugh is I think he would be. A pretty solid judge. I'm not saying I want to put him, you know, in a federal court somewhere. But if you if you got stuck with him at some low level state court situation, I think he would at least be somewhat fair and reasonable, and he would definitely pay attention. Jim Harbaugh absolutely is laser focused in a terrifying way. <laughs> so Jim Harbaugh is the judge. If we're assigning legal relationships to these folks, my favorite from last year, and now sadly we don't get to watch it anymore, was for those of you maybe who are pre-law or just in law school and don't understand what working in a big law firm is like, we got an opportunity to see that last year. Because if you watched Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin interact on a sideline, you got to learn what a partner and an associate are like, just constantly yelling (laughs) Oh it, man, Link. It was it Link, was awkward. <laughs> Link Kiffin is everybody's mid-level associate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he probably drinks too much. You're like, eh, you're making some questionable sexual decisions. Don't really trust you around my kid. Yeah, no, this all You would have no problem firing him in an airport, right? No, like no, 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 no. There's no mid-level associate in Big Law who, when they get back from the business trip, can be 100% sure that they're going to be able to go home in the black car, right? Like, sure, and, but he's also the mid-level associate who has like an uncle or a connection somewhere that you're like, yep. how does he keep getting – man, he keeps getting jobs. How does this happen? <laughs> there you go that is 
Joe, that's spot on. I, I mean, I just thought of it. I was like it, thinking back to those interactions. That was exactly what it was like. And it was usually, and much like a partner associate situation, they were still winning. <laughs> he was sure. still getting yelled at while they were doing a good job. <laughs> and the partner kind of feels like annoyed that this person is even there. Like they'd right. be happiest <laughs> if this person did their work and they didn't have to see or interact with them whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Like it, Nick Saban is absolutely not the partner you invite to like a summer associate event or something. <laughs> no. Not in a million years. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't get any of the summers, right? Like they no. don't. Like when they're still in the no. Mike, Mike phase. Leach goes to that event. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> they send Bobby Petrino. You know, they try no, to keep him on the leash. You definitely send don't send Bobby Petrino. No, they definitely are He's gonna. Way. He's gonna demand to be there. You can't stop him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm not gonna let you get out of here without answering some football questions. Who's your four for the playoffs? All right, so this is always fraught because I am terrible at this. So I'm going to all, all off season long. I've been intentionally picking Georgia to be the Ooh. SEC representative from the playoff. Not to because jinx I, them. not exactly. <laughs> I don't think they will, but I want to say that they will, and that way they won't, and I'll be personally happy. Um, I think Oklahoma is going to make it. I think Ohio State is probably going to make it as well, and I will throw. I will throw Florida State in there. I I think Florida State is probably talented enough and good enough, and Clemson on a down year, having lost so many really talented players to the NFL, uh, I think they can win the ACC, and that's your playoff four. And if that's right, if I do have to watch Oklahoma, Ohio State, Florida State, Georgia, I might just stay home. (laughs) (laughs) So Georgia beats Bama in the title game, or Bama loses before then? Um. I'll say that Bama loses before then. Some this, uh, you know what? Just because it would make Lane Kiffin's life great, this is the year that Bama loses three games in conference, and everybody says, "Oh well." With Lane Nick Kiffin, Saban's it was cool. all clicking. It was all working. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Lane's gone. Mario Cristobal's gone. Like it's it's a whole new. No, dude. Since we no longer win titles, the highlight of my season is inevitably when when Bama loses. Like that's what. That's what I'm in it. That's what that's, I'm in it for. that's what most of us are in it for. So it's fine. <laughs> hey, this Florida State game. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. It also like it might not matter at all. They could both right. make the playoffs, which is great. But you know, one of them will lose and be and be sad, and that's enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a real Florida fan. Right? Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> Well, thanks. thanks this so was much. perfect. Thanks for joining us. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. And remember to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast subscribing entity that you use. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Joseph Patrice. Ellie's at L-E-N-Y-C. Ryan's at Celebrity Hot Tub. What else do I have to say? Oh, the Legal Talk Network app has all of the various Legal Talk Network shows, so you can listen to all of those if you download that. And read above the law and that's uh that's it we'll be back in a couple weeks a happy labor day that's right thanks if you'd like more information about what you've heard today please visit legaltalknetwork.com you can also find us at abovethelaw.com atlredline.com itunes rss twitter and facebook The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own 
and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Hi, my name is Jared Korea. I love fondue, long walks on the beach, and I have a large collection of Grover Washington albums at my home. Oh, I also host a podcast on Legal Talk Network called The Legal Toolkit, where we talk about law practice management issues and Warren Zevon every month. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or LegalTalkNetwork.com.